Hi everyone, I'm Molly Carr, and this is The Wedding Destination, a podcast for couples and creatives where we discuss all things destination weddings. As a destination wedding photographer, I have traveled the world and had the opportunity to work in some of the most beautiful places imaginable with some of the best and most inspiring wedding industry creatives out there. Whether you are a bride or groom planning your destination wedding, or a wedding industry creative hoping to grow your business, welcome and welcome to today's episode of the podcast. As you listen to today's episode, we would love to see where you are and what you're up to. Snap a photo and be sure to tag us at Wedding Destination Podcast. Welcome friends. I'm so glad that you're here today and that you're tuning into a conversation that I know you will love. Destination hair and makeup artist Jen Lakers joins me and I'm really looking forward to sharing with you. Jen and I first met during an editorial photo shoot at one of my favorite wedding venues on earth, Chateau de Grenlucet. And since then, I have had the pleasure of not only working with Jen, both in Europe and the US, but also calling her a friend. Jen Lakers is an internationally renowned luxury hair and makeup artist recognized for illuminating her clients' natural beauty for over 15 years, celebrated globally and named one of the top bridal artists of 2023. Jen's work can be seen in Vogue, Martha Stewart Weddings, on television, and on fashion runways. Jen, thank you for joining us and welcome to The Wedding Destination. Hi, Molly. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly a joy and honor to be on your podcast. So I just adore you. Well, the feeling is absolutely mutual. I am so happy to have you here, Jen. You have such a positive and uplifting presence and following you as you have grown from working in your local market to traveling across the world for your clients has been nothing short of extraordinary. And I'm really excited for our listeners to get to know you. So before we start talking all things weddings, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started in the industry? Absolutely. Um, So I'm actually from a very small town in Missouri. We have population, I think we're at 500 now, but growing up, I was actually homeschooled and I grew up with cows in my backyard and just a very small town, um, great community. But I always knew that I wanted to dream a little bigger than that and maybe expand my horizons. So I was always interested in the beauty and fashion world, but not really knowing what was all out there. So growing up, I struggled with skin. I had really bad acne and, you know, I, I came from a background of my parents really not giving too much of a thought of it just as like, oh, well, it's just all part of growing up. So I became very good and kind of an expert at covering my skin and still making it look like skin and not wearing two pounds of makeup. So that threw me into working at the clinic counter uh, when I started when I was 17. And my manager, she just said, Jen, gosh, you know, you're really good at makeup. Have you ever considered a career in it? And I thought there's just no way this is just, you know, a part-time job as I'm finishing up high school and getting into my real career. 
um, which was political science. So very opposite of what I do now, but I went to a community college for about two years and just realized, gosh, this is not for me. Um, so I started at our local cosmetology school and finished that. And during the whole schooling, I was like the makeup girl. Everybody said, oh gosh, go to Jen. She's really good. So all the high school girls would come in for the prom and just their homecoming dances. And so at the age of 21, I opened up my first salon and I owned that for about seven years. And then I just thought, gosh, I'm still in Missouri. I still want to do something a little different. I didn't know what that was, but I just knew I wanted to maybe try the fashion market and see what that involved. So I went to an all-girl liberal arts school in Missouri and Stevens College. So I'm going to give a shout out to those ladies. Uh, But it was just one of the best experiences of my life. So I finished with a degree in fashion marketing and event planning, actually, which brought me to Seattle because I interned for Nordstrom Corporate. And I worked as a buyer for about four to five years in Seattle. Meanwhile, still doing weddings on the side and just being the makeup girl. So I thought, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm still working on the side, doing what I love, but all while working corporate. And I'm sure you can relate, Molly. We love the security that corporate gives us, but it was truly just not my passion. And I just hated the mundane eight to five, Monday through Friday, not being able to fulfill my dreams. And I just thought, this is this is just not it. I have to do something different. So I took a huge leap of faith, all while being a single parent to my daughter. She was six at the time. And so, okay, here mom is. I'm going to just quit my corporate job and start my own business in Seattle. And so I really set my sights on who I thought was aesthetically pleasing, you know, that being florist, photographers wedding planners, even fellow makeup and hair artists. So I just kind of set a goal and proceeded to start small and figure out what I needed to do next. So, Wow. That's amazing. And what an interesting trajectory that you have had. I mean, first, starting at the Clinique counter, which Mm -hmm. as any girl in the millennium 90s, I mean, absolute dream job, dream brand. I think everybody has had the black honey lip color. So beautiful. You know, process. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. And then opening your own salon at age 21, moving to a complete new place, new market, where I'm assuming you didn't really know anybody. I did not know a single person. (laughs) And then starting from scratch yet again, leaving a comfortable job with Nordstrom, who Mm -hmm. obviously is a incredibly prestigious company to be working for in Seattle and is a company that a lot of people get in and stay in in their entire career and spend 40 years there working their way up through the chain of command. And you realized pretty young that that wasn't the right fit for you. So you started anew yet again and decided to dive into the wedding industry. That is absolutely spectacular. 
Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. You know, you just, I mean, it's so cliche, but the, you just follow your heart, listen to your gut. Um, I think those are two things that that's the best advice I can give anybody. I completely agree. And I think when you make those risks that at the time feel the scariest is almost Mm -hmm. when you know you are doing something that has the potential to be really great. And it's always uncomfortable, I think, no matter how many years that we've been in our career or doing new things and as we progress through our lives. But I think you can start to be a little bit more aware of those feelings and how they will reflect on you. And for me, I've done it so many times that now when I start to have those feelings of insecurity or doubt or imposter syndrome, it almost is a reminder to me that I am following the right path. Because every time I've felt those feelings, it ends up taking me to a place that I could only have dreamt of. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, nothing good is ever easy. Right. Yes. And, you know, success is, you know, it means so many things to so many different people. But I feel like the ongoing thought for success is that you have to have change to equal success. So, no matter what that looks like, it could be something mm-hmm. small or it could be something larger. Yes. Oh, I just absolutely love that. I mean, I feel like honestly, we could spend a whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. I'll, just I'll be back. Talking yeah, yeah. about this. So, yes, yes stay, yeah. definitely stay tuned for yeah. part two with right. Jen next yeah. year. Yeah. So, then since beginning your career in Seattle, working in beauty in the wedding industry, you have grown tremendously and now travel the world for weddings. So can you tell us a little bit about what that journey was like starting out in the industry? It sounded like you really, from the beginning, made a very concerted effort to make relationships with photographers, planners, florists in the industry that you felt like would align with you. So what was that like from starting and your first weddings to where we are today? Yes. You know, my biggest thing is to create genuine relationships and not, you know, just not look up to all these people and be like, oh, I'm going to ask them if I can work with them. I think when you approach somebody like that, it can, you know, kind of set them back sometimes. So I feel like just ask them how their day is, you know, try to start up a conversation that is very genuine. So that is truly what I did. I, I found you know, people that was aesthetically pleasing, try to create and cultivate a great relationship with these people. And then came out and said, Hey, I would love to work with you anytime. Um, So I feel like that was a much better approach. And maybe after talking to them, I found that, you know what, maybe this person is not the right fit for me. So I feel like that is such always a standby um, moral thing that I listen to because maybe they are not a great fit and that's okay. They are a great fit for another vendor. So yeah, I just try to cultivate these relationships and it's a trickle effect. You know, once you meet one person, you can meet another person and just keeping those doors of networking, but genuine networking. um, I do feel that no matter what 
industry that you're in, whether it be a florist, um, planner, you have to start small and work your way up. You're going to have to put the work in. And it's great to have goals, but don't expect those goals to happen overnight at all. So definitely just putting in that time and effort. Yes. So many, so many amazing pieces of advice right there. So for you, kind of taking that leap from working in the local market to really launching yourself internationally, were there any special, unique shoots, weddings that you have been a part of that you feel like in particular launched you to the next level? Absolutely. I, in 2000, oh gosh, now I have to think about this for a second. It was 2018. I believe I did a workshop and it was going to be in France. I had reached out a couple times and there was one of the photographers that was directing the workshop actually lives in Vancouver, BC, which is, you know, about two hours from me. So we had met up, we have chatted, really, really enjoy talking to her so I thought, okay, this is a great fit. I did the workshop in France. It was a three-day workshop. And that, I felt, catapulted me to just, you know, you're on social media and you're, you're sharing the stories and sharing behind the scenes of what people really want to see and all the work that goes into shoots, weddings, because, you know, each event has its own criteria. Each event has its issues. So just working in a whole other country and people seeing that and seeing, okay, oh, she does travel. You can say it all you want, but until you prove it, unfortunately on social media, we have to just continue working and improving to others that, oh, this is what we do. We're going to remind them I, I do travel. So that really catapulted me. Um, and second was the, um, excuse the sirens in the background. Uh, the second was our shoot, Molly, that we did. Everybody, I do have a little story I have to tell about Miss Molly. I had reached <laughs> out, and it's very serendipitous too. Um, I had reached out to Molly, I would say, uh, a couple weeks before I had nailed down to be the hair and makeup artist for this shoot, I had reached out to her and said, Hey, you know, I love your work. Um, I can tell we're going to be friends just over social media. And she was so kind. And we had a small conversation via Instagram. And then I was asked to do hair and makeup for the shoot. And I thought, well, of course I will. And then I said, well, who is photographer? You know, who's going to be the photographer? Oh, Molly Carr. What? done. Yes. Sign me up. So, <laughs> and it was, it was everything I envisioned and more. And to this day, both Molly and I have a love for um, the Chateau de Grand Lusay. So it is my ultimate favorite place. So, yeah. Yes, that it was an incredibly special serendipitous mm -hmm. experience that brought us together. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think that hearing how you have grown your business over the years. I mean, you've done it with so much intentionality, but with such a genuine and open heart. I mean, for you, I know even when we have worked together in the way that I've gotten to know you, 
you make such a intentional effort to grow and build relationships and to do it in a very, very genuine way. And it sounds like really throughout your entire career and you continue to do it this day, you put yourself out there. You are the one that makes the concerted effort to reach out to other like-minded creatives and let them know that if they ever have a creative project that you would love to be considered for it. And that takes a lot of bravery. And I think a lot of us can feel very comfortable in the age of social media, just hiding behind our feed and feeling like if we create beautiful things and put a beautiful product out there, people will just find you. And yes, they sometimes do, but that often isn't enough. And you really have, it sounds like from the very get-go, continually just made that a priority for you. And it sounds like you were also very intentional and specific about the clients that you took on. It sounds like you, even when you were starting, had the wherewithal to understand not every client is the right fit for every creative. And I think so many people when they're starting really have a hard time saying no and turning away any opportunity Mm -hmm. because there is that old adage that every opportunity is a good opportunity. And you know that's not always the case. I mean, of course, yes, we want to put ourselves out there and be open to what the universe brings us. But at the same, knowing what you do and the type of clients that are going to value that and really let you shine is such an important way to just be incredibly strategic about the type of work that you're doing. So I just think that's absolutely amazing. And I mean, for me, that's what I have seen since knowing you. But it sounds like that's really been your way that you have operated your business from day Mm -hmm. one, even years before you started working internationally and leaving your local market. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you nailed it on the head when you said just creating and and putting yourself out there. You're going to get a lot of no's. But all you need is one yes. And that kind of fuels the fire. So I even for my daughter, you know, I give her advice. I'm like, you're going to have to put yourself out there. And just because a person maybe did not respond back to you, people are busy. People skim things. Sometimes messages are easily missed. Text can kind of go unnoticed. Emails can go into spam. So you're going to have to just keep trying. You know, one no should not deflect the rest of your journey. Yes, that is so true. And I think oftentimes when we do reach a level of success and a place where five years, 10 years before we could only dream of being, it's very easy to put things on the back burner a little bit and just start to coast and feel like at this point you're known, people know you, that you can stop doing that. And it's just not true. I think you really throughout your career need to continue to push yourself. And just like you said, and have told your daughter, putting yourself out there time and time again, and acknowledging that almost every time the opportunity doesn't work out, it's not you. It's because like you said, maybe the person was busy. Maybe they even missed it. Maybe Mm -hmm. that wasn't the right client or job or opportunity for you, but you don't have any idea what the next opportunity might be. Absolutely. And always lead with an open heart and an open mind because sometimes 
you know, opportunities that come our way, they might not seem, oh, this is not exactly what I wanted, but it's an at 80%. So I will go ahead and say yes. And you just never know who you're going to meet in that time of saying yes. Exactly. So Jen, I know that a lot of wedding hair and makeup artists, I'm sure wonder how to transition from working in a local market to working with destination clients. And I have to imagine that for a lot of people, both in hair and makeup and also really in any facet of the wedding industry can see that as a almost insurmountable leap. So what is it like? What's your process when working with an international client since you are now doing it regularly? Yeah, you are absolutely right, Molly. I am, I'm a huge, huge component of being the best communicator as possible. I always start with my brides and ask them certain questions regarding not only their hair and makeup, but their wedding in general. You know, what is, what's your venue? Of course, you know, what does your dress look like? Are you going to have a welcome party? Um, what are, what's the vibe, the theme, those types of things, because that all trickles down into hair and makeup, but it also makes them feel like themselves, right? So you want to make them feel like themselves, but also it's their wedding. They're going to have to be a little bit more glam. So a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of text and emails just discussing hair texture, hair types. Are, are you going to get it cut before? Are you going to have it colored? That all plays a huge part into it. So it's a lot, a lot of communication. Mm. So even taking it half a step back from there, where do a lot of clients find you? I am very fortunate to have wedding planners and they send brides that they feel like would be a good fit for myself. And they are, you know, Hey, here's Jen, here's her portfolio. So if a bride is interested, then we will move forward with a phone call and or a zoom call and just kind of discuss the logistics of everything. A lot of my destination brides are based East coast, I have a few here in uh, West Coast. So, you know, I'm not flying over, you know, the next week to do a trial. So there is a lot, a lot of, you know, communication happening. And typically I will do the trial ahead of time just by a couple of days, but making my brides feel comfortable in that decision because of all the communication that we have had prior. So a lot of my brides, like I said, are wedding planners uh, they come from wedding planners and also just social media. I, I do have people that reach out to me via Instagram. Um, you're finding information on Google. So SEO plays a huge part in that as well. Mm, that's amazing. So, I mean, even with that, again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, the relationship piece yes. and really putting in the time, putting in the work, knowing that building relationships like that take years. Yes. So really thinking about it from a big picture perspective, things don't happen overnight, but every day, if you continue to put a little bit more in over time, all of those small incremental changes and small incremental actions can come together to create something really, really powerful. Absolutely. And you know, I mean, I do feel like the right bride, the right client will fall into your lap. And from all the work that you have put into it previously, you know, you might not see your results tomorrow, but maybe in four months, maybe in six months, 
you're going to be getting an email that's like, oh gosh, I'm getting married in Florence. I would love for you to do my hair makeup. I found you via Instagram or I was looking at the special venue. Um, so I, again, it's saying yes to projects, even, you know, the styled shoots that you feel will bring you to your goals in the future. So again, even having that lovely relationship with fellow vendors, it's a huge, huge part of it. Yes, absolutely. So I really love how you are involved throughout the planning process, not just wanting to understand, okay, what do you want to look like on your wedding day, but really thinking about how beauty ties into the big picture of the entire wedding week. So how does that tie into the design? How does that tie into the fashion choices? And to me, that is something that can often go overlooked and when everybody is coming together like a team and it's not just the photographer showing up and taking the pictures that they want and, you know, hair and makeup coming and doing something that they feel like is going to be appropriate. But when we're really thinking about the way the whole wedding week or weekend will flow and how every one of us comes together, I think to me, that's where the magic is made. Absolutely. I mean, reflecting back on our bride, Jillian, so beautiful. We love Jillian. We love Jillian. (laughs) You know, she was just our niche bride. She was the bride that listened to us, but she also, you know, gave her two cents of what she wanted. And she was just very invested into our knowledge as experts because, you know, this is not on our first rodeo. We have done a few weddings. So her listening and asking advice, I think that in itself and just being open to taking maybe a new idea that somebody else hasn't said, but, oh, here's a hair makeup artist. We'll say, maybe turn this way, look this way, wear this. I think it all plays a huge part. I mean, it truly does take a team and having the knowledge that vendors do. I mean, typically we are up to date on all the new things out there, um, whether that be fashion, lighting, um, different trends and, and, you know, photography, that's all plays a huge part. Absolutely. And I mean, as a bride, you've already invested financially into that vendor. So that requires zero additional spend. There, we're already there for you. We want to be able to over deliver. So take them up on being able to be the subject matter expert. They want, we want to go above and beyond in every single way. Just give them the opportunity to. Right. And that, because at the end of the day, of course, we want you to be married and we, of course, we want the wedding to be a success, but we also want you to look the best that you possibly can and are going to showcase this to, you know, your friends and maybe a vendor or get it published. I mean, we want just the best for you. Absolutely. Trust trust the process. Yes. So can you walk us through what does it, typical destination wedding week look like for you? Yes, absolutely. Typically, I will stay in communication, of course, a couple of days prior and just ask my bride if she needs anything in particular. I love to give week of advice as far as like how to take care of your skin, um, what you should be doing. Leading, that's 
really leading all the way up to the wedding. Um, your whole beauty journey is going to start as soon as you book me. So I love to say, okay, two weeks before this, the week of the wedding, do this. I do a lot of rehearsal welcome dinners. So I think that's always a great place for, you know, the celebrations to start and more like just getting comfortable working together and just making sure my bride feels great. And I feel once you have the welcome dinner or the rehearsal dinner out of the way, it's kind of smooth sailing. You know, by the time you get to the wedding day, you know, the nerves are a little less, the stress is a little down. Um, Not to say there's not going to be any stress, but I feel by the time we get to the wedding day, it's just just so so lovely and everybody is just happy to you know get together for the bride um so yeah i'll do hair and makeup for the day of and typically for destination weddings i stay on for a few extra hours just making sure that everything is looking great any sort of little touch-ups that we have to do um, not only with hair and makeup but with the dress making sure the dress is straightened or the veil is placed properly or maybe um the bow on the side of the dress isn't laying right. So there's a lot of logistics that are outside of hair and makeup that I look at because I'm making sure that you are looking the best also, as well as your groom, making sure, like I said, the dress is, you know, he's not stepping on your dress or he's, you know, his face is lost. So those are all things that I look at besides just hair and makeup. That's wonderful. And I can speak personally how much of a value add it is as a photographer having someone like you be present on the wedding day past just final hair and makeup, touch up and leave. I mean, obviously, oftentimes events are happening in summer months. We have heat, we have wind, we have humidity. Yes. And I mean, requiring a touch-up before or after the ceremony, especially if it's outside. And a lot of the venues in Europe do not have air conditioning. So there is a little bit of additional love that needs to take place. But then even beyond that, when we are actually taking photos, having that trained eye that you have to keep an eye out constantly on the couple. Of course, as photographers, we're going to be looking at that, but there's so much other elements that we are managing, composition, lighting, timeline, that when we are trying to jump in and help with hair that gets blown around, obviously we don't have all the tools with us. We don't have all the makeup tools if makeup gets smeared from crying. And even just having that trained eye to really be the bride's person that's their advocate that's making sure every single photo they look their best i can tell you 100 percent, your photos will look better when you get them back absolutely and just like you said i mean it is your job to make sure the pictures look great but also you're stepping out of your job to take the time to you know like you said move the hair back or adjust the dress you know these are things that for me, I can run in and do that in two seconds versus, you know, you're like, oh gosh, now I have to like move from this position that I had so perfectly placed myself for this beautiful light that's coming through. Meanwhile, I'm like, oh, let me, let me just grab that really fast. So then Molly can get the best shots. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and also what you were talking about, how important it is to have you there for the welcome events. I completely agree because oftentimes I think that 
if really you're only having one day of photos, one day of events, there's a lot of pressure to finding the look that feels like you, but also stands the test of time. And to me, not only is having the welcome event and having your hair and makeup artist there for it, a great way for them to feel comfortable in your hands and for you to really just get to know their face, their skin, how their energy is, how they're feeling. But also if you want to have maybe your fun party bride moment, if you want to have your, you know, 90s supermodel feel, but on the wedding day, you want to be classic silver frame Monique Lillier bride, you don't have to pick. You can do Absolutely. both. So yes. I think to me, it's such a great way to almost show another side of your personality because we're all multifaceted and to give you that permission to do something fun and creative, but that doesn't feel the pressure of these are going to be the photos that get passed down for generations that right. live beyond you. Absolutely. I mean, wear that red lipstick, you, you know, yes. like, uh, so it, wear that party pony, you know, like a rehearsal welcome is just, like you said, it is so great. It's honestly one of my favorite events to do because my brides are a little bit more playful and, you know, they're just wearing this beautiful dress and it's like, oh, short white, or maybe it's blue, maybe it's purple. Um, I just had a wedding the other day and she had a Zimmerman um, purple dress. And I was just fangirling over it so hard. So I'm like, let's do a, a party pony with the Zimmerman because it just correlates so well. So yes, I, I completely agree with you, Molly. I love a good party pony, I have to say. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> never. I feel like they're just never out of style too. So no. yeah. That's Amazing. Pretty. So then with that continuing about destination weddings and events. So do you have any advice for other hair and makeup artists who might be listening, who are hearing your story, who see your journey and are potentially looking to break into the destination wedding and event industry as well? Yes, absolutely. It all goes back to putting yourself out there, being brave and really cultivating those relationships genuinely and not being afraid to say no to certain things, but yes to more things. And no matter yes. what that looks like. And, you know, sometimes, you know, and to be very transparent, uh, you know, you as a hair and makeup artist, sometimes you're going to put out maybe a little bit more financially than, you know, maybe a photographer or a wedding planner. But if your goal in the long run is to, do destination weddings, you're going to have to invest in yourself. So that's how I look at it. You know, when you're going going to do maybe a photo shoot in Italy, that's investing in yourself. That's showing the world, hey guys, I'm here. I travel. So use that as your marketing budget. Yes, yes, 100%. And I mean, I know you said it now and you said it earlier, but saying that you travel versus showing that you travel are two wildly different things. And I think obviously for hair and makeup, but really any facet of the industry, Mm -hmm. you have to be able to walk the walk before you talk the talk. And none of us want to make our first international trip be when we're doing it for a client. I mean, we all know when you're doing destination weddings and events, the Mm -hmm. number of challenges and obstacles just – multiplies almost infinitely. Absolutely. And you need to be able to feel confident that 
no matter what happens, you have the processes in place, you have the workflow that you're able to problem solve and troubleshoot and just be able to mitigate the problems before they come up as best as you can too. So, I mean, really not only is it important to have that in your portfolio to show that you travel versus say that you do, but also to me, both from a ethical perspective of Mm -hmm. wanting to know we are going to give our clients the very, very best experience. And also I think personally to give you that confidence to know you can do it because you've already been tested. So when the opportunity comes around for your dream client, dream wedding, dream event, you have the processes in place that you can just Mm -hmm. pull the trigger and go. You're not going to have imposter syndrome. You're not going to wonder, can I do this? because you've already proved to yourself that you can. Absolutely. And the last thing, you know, a bride that is having a destination, you know, the last thing that she wants to hear is you asking her a thousand questions about maybe the train or, um, <laughs> you know, it's certain things like this, the, the taxis, you know, these are all things that you have to con- take into consideration. Um, flight delays. So yes, like you said, you have to be very well-versed in traveling And you don't want your first large travel experience to be for a real client. Um, If it is, then I would highly suggest that you get there at least a week prior to get yourself adjusted to to everything, Um, and pack pack accordingly. Because you know a lot of a lot of places in Europe, you're just carrying your own luggage for most of the time. So. As a hair and makeup artist, I strongly, strongly suggest packing as light as you can. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not to get too into the minutia, but even talking about packing, I it makes me wonder what do you do about outlets and converters and things like that, blow dryers. I mean, personally, I have had two blow dryers that I have completely ruined by plugging them into a converter, turning them on and black smoke immediately billowing out. Yes. 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 I'm sure I'm speaking your language here. (laughs) You are. I honestly, I have just invested into actual European blow dryers, um, curling iron. It just makes the world and the day of a better place because the last thing that you want to do is be curling your bride's hair and then all of a sudden the lights go out because your curling iron is just pulling too much electricity and it's broke. So just just invest into a European curling iron and blow dryer. So I just had to do a deep sigh when you said that because I have seen so many things over the years and that just really, that really hit home. But (laughs) yes, I mean, I think that like you said, being self-sufficient, being able to manage your business so that in the end, your client is picking you over somebody who is local, who might live five minutes down the street. So you don't want to create any more headache work burden for them. They're hiring you because they think you're an amazing artist and they think it's worth it to bring you possibly to a different continent to be a part of their day and to make them look and feel their best. So really, I think knowing that is such a privilege and not ever taking that for granted and just knowing that you're really going to do whatever it takes to give them the absolute best service and experience. And, you know, I would also add to that, that regardless of what industry you're in, in weddings specifically, 
also having relationships on the ground already. Because for example, as a photographer, I might need to have multiple photographers I'm bringing onto my team. And some photographers, I travel with the same group of people, but a lot of people will hire locally for each event, which is absolutely fine. But then you need to have those relationships. Just like for you, I'm sure if somebody brings you on and they have nine bridesmaids, you know, four, three mothers of the bride, mothers of the groom. I mean, you might be doing 10 to 15 different hair and makeup services, and you might need to be bringing additional people with you. And I'm sure sometimes you might fly your team with you, but if you're starting out, you might not have the budget to be having an entire team traveling internationally that typically comes with time and being able to charge a higher premium. So then having those relationships so that you can source from the great network of creative vendors that might be in that local market already. Absolutely. And people are more inclined to help you if you have already created that relationship, Um, or at least get to know their names and, you know, what they do and um, like, yeah, just like you said, you might need to reach out to them for little things, but that will make or break a day for a wedding. So. Yes, 100%. So over the years, Jen, I feel like you really have become known for having a pretty defined look in the type of work that you create. So how have you been able to hone your signature subtle yet elegant style? Well, Molly, thank you for asking. <laughs> I I love to call my style natural glam for basically a timeless bride. I you know, I want my girls to look back at their images 10 years from now, 20 years from now and still see the person and be happy with how their overall look was. Trends are constantly changing, um, but I am very much timeless classic and truthfully, whatever you feel most beautiful in, that's definitely a question that I ask my girls. If you're going to go out, how did you, how did you look? How was your hair? Was it up? Was it down? Um, did you have a smoky eye? Did you have just red, you know, just red lipstick on? So very natural glam, because again, you don't want to get your images back and look like, oh gosh, I'm not wearing anything but you definitely don't want to look like a Kardashian. So, no <laughs> offense. Back I, think... I do love the Kardashians, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I will, I yeah. will reiterate that that kind of makeup does not photograph the best. Yes. So it's, you know, no offense to the Kardashians, yep. but it yes. does not photograph the best. Right. But then also you, you want to look at your images and feel like yourself. You don't want to look yes. at them and think, who is that person? Right. right. So I, to me, I think you have, really found found that balance of being able to just amplify someone's best features, make them look like their best self, but still very much themselves so that when their partner, their bride or groom walks down the aisle and sees them, that they see them as the person they've fallen in love with and they've seen absolutely. every day, but the most beautiful version of that they've ever seen. Right. Absolutely. I That is, that is my number one goal. And that's what I, I feel – when you hone on in your style, you will start just getting those clients that are asking for that specific look. And like I said, no offense to any like high glam out there because I, I think it's beautiful, but you will start getting those clients that are saying, oh my gosh, Jen, you know, I, I really love her skin and I love how the highlight is, but the dewiness, but she still looks like herself. 
so you will still be open to changing things according to your client's needs, but overall you'll still get those clients that are just asking for that look. Absolutely. So Jen, I know that you have really gotten to travel the world to some wonderful places with your clients. Do you have a favorite destination that you have worked in and or a dream destination that you are dying to visit for a wedding? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to say, of course, our favorite chateau. Uh, but any, any, any brides out there, just get Molly and I, and I promise you, your day will be fantastic. And this is not sponsored by Chateau de Grenoble. Yeah, right, I will yeah. say, we are not sponsored. <laughs> I promise. I promise. <laughs> but yes, that's my, that's my overall favorite. But I, I really love, um, I had a wedding in Positano in April, and it was just absolutely stunning. From start to finish, I really, really loved it. Just the overall, and sometimes I hate this word, but the overall vibe of the whole weekend was just sunshine and the light and airiness of the Mediterranean, great food. But my bride just had the most beautiful outfits and she was just like, Jen, do whatever you feel is going to be the best. And so I did. I mean, she was just very much like, I trust you. You're the expert. So it was amazing. So that was, that's one of my favorite. And of course, any venue in Paris, honestly, um, the Ritz I, is definitely a goal of mine. It's kind of like surprising. I have not done a wedding, a real wedding there yet. I've done a photo shoot, but the Ritz is definitely on the list. So Mm, yes. I mean, Positano, you're right. The Amalfi Coast is incredible. It's definitely a photographer's dream and we have to get you to the Ritz yes. soon. Yes, it's we do, Molly. so yeah. special. And working there for me was a complete career highlight. And I will actually say that my iPhone, for whatever reason, my Google Maps has my work as mm -hmm. being the Ritz <laughs> Paris. And I don't really know why, but I feel like that means mm -hmm. I've accomplished something amazing I and like I will have. never change that. Yes. Nope. I, I absolutely <laughs> Every agree time you. I see it, it sparks joy. Yes. <laughs> I know. I had a, a message from my carrier the other day and it says, it looks like you're more international than you are local. Do you want to switch your plan? <laughs> but I, I took a screenshot out of that and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have reached. This is what I always wanted. So <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So I know that you told us earlier, well, A, that you growing up really struggled with acne and really mm -hmm. taking care of your skin. And that also that you provide a pretty full service experience and will consult with your clients about skincare regimens leaving up to the wedding. So for newly engaged couples, what would you recommend to ensure their skin is beautiful and photo ready come the wedding day? Gosh, there are so many answers to that question, um, but that is such a great question. I feel that talking to the person that you have hired to do hair and makeup, um, you know, sending them a picture of your current skin, giving them a list of products that you're doing, that you're using, um, you know, are you getting facials? Are you getting Botox, filler? You know, those types of things all plays a huge part. Um, if you're new to any of these things, you know, try start trying them now versus two, two months, two weeks before the wedding. So I feel like whoever you have hired to do your hair and makeup, they should be able to sit down and give you kind of a list or a regiment, a routine, so to speak, um, leading up to the wedding day. 
So that's, I mean, truly I host, um, what I like to call like spa days for my, for my brides that are, that are local. I have them come to my salon and I'll just do a very sensitive made for everybody's skin, like a vitamin C facial. And during that time, we'll talk about what other products they're using. I will give them recommendations. I'm not sponsored by any brand. So I feel that makes it more for a safe, um, conversation of what to use. And a lot of the times I'm, what I'm finding is people are not moisturizing enough or they might be exfoliating too much during the week. And just those two switches have tremendously, tremendously changed my bride's skin for the wedding day. Just Mm. making those, yeah, little, 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 you know, little tweaks. Um, and it's so good to know that a lot of people are over exfoliating and moisturizing not yeah. enough. I mean, I feel like I'm sure that some of that goes back to the days of, you know, everybody using proactive and like covering right. your face with right. you know, salicylic acid yes. and just yeah. oil-free everything right. in the early 2000s. Yeah. And, you know, oil is evil. Using and the same you know, that's not true. Yeah. Using the same <laughs> Ives scrub. I'm like, oh, oh put no. that down. <laughs> I really love, I love skincare and truthfully, your makeup is not going to look as well for your wedding day if you're not investing in your skincare. Um, It doesn't mean you have to use $300 moisturizer. That's definitely not the case, but you definitely need to figure out a routine that works best for your skin because everybody's skin is so different. No matter if you're trying to watch a TikTok video and what they're using, you know, you might have dry skin, but you're putting a you know, product on that's for oily skin because this TikToker has oily skin. So definitely invest in in the knowledge of what to use. That is such wonderful advice. I know that we could keep talking about yes. this also <laughs> for hours, Jen, yeah. but for our listeners who probably want to continue the conversation, where can they follow and learn more about you? Oh, I would love that. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Jen Lagers. Uh, my website, www.jenlagers.com. Um, TikTok at Jen Lagers. And I think that's all the, all the social media that I have. Yeah. Amazing. Jen, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for joining us here on The Wedding Destination. Oh, Molly, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of the Wedding Destination Podcast. I'm Molly Carr, and you can follow me on Instagram at Molly Carr Photography and the podcast at Wedding Destination Podcast. We hope you will leave us a five-star review on iTunes and join us next week for a new episode. We'll talk to you soon.